Hey everyone, this is Brian with Church in a Loop. So glad you could join me. Today we're looking at a beautiful passage, the ending in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. And I just want to focus on these this short passage because the way it kind of ends uh, in verse 8 seems almost like, what? But what I want to see show you guys is that faith in God, the kind of faith we have, is a faith that rises above the things of this world. And when you see that, and when you feel that deep in your heart, you can live that way in a way that truly is different because of who Jesus is. So that's where we're going today. Let's ask the Lord's blessings and let's have some fun in His Word, seeing what He has to say to us. Lord, we need you. We need you so much. And the things of this earth have such a strong pull on us. It's like gravitational pull that's always pulling us back to earth in so many ways. And Lord, I pray that as we look into your beautiful word today, the sacred scripture, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to rise above the things of this world, the distractions of this life. And I pray that we could see that our faith in you allows us to live on a a level of existence that doesn't take us out of the world, but it keeps us be, um, from being of the world as we live in the world. And we definitely are involved in the world. You want it that way. You want us to make a difference for you, for your kingdom to come through us. But in order for that to happen, we've got to be set apart. We've got to be a people who are living on a, a different level of existence that's above the mundane and above the 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 um, the the just the, the, the grind of uh, the flesh and, and fleshly thinking and uh, fleshly habits and all those kinds of things of this life that pull us down. It's a, it's a way of living above all of that in the Spirit, by the Spirit. And so uh, we invite your Spirit to speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things I love about Chicago is the buildings. The architecture is amazing in Chicago. It's, it's really home to some incredible architecture, and it's different architecture from different time periods. I think the first skyscraper in the whole nation, maybe in the whole world, was actually built here in Chicago. In Chicago, they first started building things um, out of the frame, out of uh, steel, iron and steel girders that allowed them to build higher and higher, and that allowed that first uh, skyscraper to be, to be built downtown. And so when you come to Chicago and see this beautiful city, you'll notice the, the architecture is truly unique and amazing. And you can see different time frames and different schools of thought represented. Recently, a new skyscraper was built here in Chicago. It's the third tallest building in Chicago. It's called the Vista Tower. And it, it's basically cost $1 billion to, to make. And it's been in construction for some time, and the pandemic has, I think, kind of slowed things down a little bit, but it's, it's almost done. And basically, it's 101 stories, and you can't miss it downtown. And the reason you can't miss it is because it's kind of got a curvy shape to it. Uh, it's, it's designed by uh, this lady named Jeannie Lang, who she's the first, uh, it's the tallest building in the world designed by a woman which is really special. It makes it really unique. Um, so she's definitely groundbreaking on that. And not only is it groundbreaking because it's designed by a woman, it's the tallest structure designed by women, but it's groundbreaking because it's so beautiful and it's curvy and it's, 
it's got this unique uh, structure to it that it's said to almost look like if Lake Michigan rolled into the city and, and the waves splashed upward, it almost looks like that. And so it's, it's really pretty cool looking. Um, it's got 101 stories and they have these condominiums for sale inside this. So if anybody wants to donate so that we can have a church in the loop uh, townhouse up there, let us know. Uh, wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> wouldn't it be cool if we actually could rent out uh, a space up there when the pandemic's over and have church you know, with the city view behind us? That would actually be amazing. You never know. Um, but it's a beautiful structure. It's called the Vista Tower, 101 stories, a billion dollars to build. But it's truly unique and truly set apart. That's the way our faith in Christ is meant to be. Our faith in Jesus is meant to be something that is set apart and causes us to be set apart. Where we live in a different way. We follow Jesus the way. Um, and so it's, it's a different way of living than everybody else. In fact, um, the early Christians were called followers of the way. Because they lived differently than everybody else. And it wasn't so much that they ate differently or dressed differently. It wasn't that. It was just their inner disposition, their attitudes, their confidence in, the, in God, and, and their faith was something that just truly set them apart. I want us to look at what it means to have that in Jesus. What, what kind of faith do we have in Christ that truly sets us apart? And I believe this passage in Mark really shows it in a beautiful way. And shows how we stand out against the crowd. Okay, so let's look at verse chapter Mark chapter sixteen, starting in verse one. We're going to go down through verse eight. Let's start with verse one. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices so they might go and anoint Jesus. Now Jesus had died. He's in the tomb. They think he is, um, and it's been some time now where they. They've waited and, and they bought spices. So now they're going to go and anoint the body of Jesus. And, and this was a practice back then. And, and of course, you understand why, because, you know, dead bodies decompose and that brings a lot of strong smell and the smell of death and all that. And they're just out of respect. They just want to anoint that his, his dead body so that it's these strong spices will help cover that up and and just another way to honor the dead, basically. So they're going to do that. But what I want to show you in this verse 1 is, look at the first name that's mentioned here. It says Mary Magdalene, and then Mary the mother of James and Salome. Now, we're, we're not entirely sure, but we think James and Salome, we think this was a another Mary, the sister of Mary, the mother of Jesus. So this would have been like Jesus's aunt. Because um, Mary was a common name back then. Um, so it's very possible, and, and we, we do believe that the James became one of the leaders in the church. And, and so it, it's one of those situations where we're, we, don't, we kind of have to piece it together from Scripture and some church tradition. But the bottom line that I want you to see here is you have possibly the aunt of Jesus named Mary and this Mary Magdalene. Now we know from the Scriptures that Mary Magdalene came from a very uh, a scandalous background. Um, she had seven demons that were cast out of her. Um, some indications are that she was a prostitute, a former prostitute who came to faith in Christ. Um, and so it's either way, she was definitely someone that 
was scandalous. And she's the first name mentioned here. And I think that's really amazing because, again, if you're trying to invent a story and sell a story as, hey, guys, we want you to believe in this new Messiah called Jesus, and we're, you know, here's a cool story worth believing in, you, you really wouldn't have it, especially back in Bible times, you wouldn't have Mark chapter 16, verse 1, highlighting the very first name, a former prostitute, um, leading this the way to anoint the body of Jesus. That that does not fit with the story very well. I mean, surely there's a better character you could put there, a cleaner character, somebody that didn't have any kind of scandal in their background, and and that's just that's just kind of you know like whoa, what what is what are you doing here? And that really adds um, a dimension to the Jesus story that is worth believing, and that when you when you zoom out. What does that say about faith? That says that our faith in Jesus is greater than our past. That says our faith in Jesus is greater than our shame. That says our faith in Jesus is greater than any scandal in your life. And that is good news. Because in this broken world with broken people, including you and I, we need that kind of hope. We need that kind of faith. Because otherwise, that means the only people that can follow Jesus are those that have some kind of pure pedigree and have never experienced any kind of corruption. And that lends itself towards pride. You know, I, I know, uh, you know, I've, I've had the privilege of getting to know Christians in many different churches. And there was a time in my life where in the South I was preaching at little country churches and, you know, wonderful people. But it wasn't uncommon for me to talk with someone who would say, yep, I've never had a drop of alcohol in my life. Or I've never taken a puff of a cigarette in my life. And, um, you know, that, hey, kudos to them. Um, But sometimes I wonder if people say those things out of a sense of pride. I mean, I'll be honest, when I was in third grade, I was smoking cigarettes with my grandfather. So, that, and that's the truth. I, I was. Uh, my mom never even found out about it. Um, so that would mean my pedigree is already stained. Um, when I was that young, um, my grandparents were giving me, you know, they would let me drink some beer. Um, I wasn't getting drunk, but I can't say I didn't have alcohol. So that is another stain on my record. And that was before I was even a teenager. So I'm saying that to say that I love how this story starts with Mary Magdalene because it's showing us that faith in Jesus is not about your performance. It's not about your track record. It's not about the things you have kept yourself from. It's more about the things that God has delivered you out of and and how he has set you in a whole different plane of existence than you had before, a different level of existence. And that's what this whole passage is about. So number one, we can see that faith is greater than any scandal in your past. The second thing that I want you to notice in this story is, so there. let's read on in verse 2. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, Who will, will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? 
When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. So they're walking to the tomb, and as they're walking, they're they're puzzled, and they're asking, man, I wonder who's going to, you know, when we get there, who's going to roll away the stone? Because that's a pretty hefty stone across the entrance of this tomb. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. We'll just get there and see what happens. I mean, that's kind of what their, their thought is in their, their conversation. But what I want you to notice is, where are the disciples? They're gone. They are noticeably absent. There's, there's no male figure in this part of the story at all. And again, we're, we're talking about a story that is written in Bible times when it was a male-dominated world. It was a patriarchal society. So if you're, again, if you're writing a story and you're trying to say, hey, everybody, we want you to believe in this, this doesn't bode well for the, the spirit of the times, unless this is something that's different than the spirit of the times. And what I love about this is God had already prepared the way, and he's already rolled away the, the stone. So these women that were confused, God did the heavy lifting for them. And that's what faith in Christ does. Faith in Christ does the heavy lifting for you in your relationship to God. In your relationship of God, you don't have what it takes to live a pure life. Only Jesus does. Jesus has done the heavy lifting for you. His righteousness is given to you by virtue of faith. So when God looks upon you, he sees the righteousness of Christ, not your miserable track record. Not the fact that I was smoking cigarettes when I was in third grade with my grandfather. Jesus, God sees the righteousness of, of Jesus, his son, upon me instead of the failures of my past. And that's how Jesus has done the heavy lifting for you. And so faith does that in Christ. It does the hefty lifting for us through Jesus. We don't do it. God has given us the faith that does it. The faith moves the stone, not us moving the stone by what we have or haven't done and by the kind of moral life that we have lived or haven't lived. Okay, That sets us free to truly rest in the goodness of God. Now notice, this is on the first day of the week. That means this is a new week of creation, so to speak. This is a throwback to the, the book of Genesis where it talked about that first week of creation where on day six God made man and women, man and woman, uh, mankind, and, and he made us in his image and then said rest. It's a Sabbath now, rest. And then the first day of that week, then they, that was like their new beginning. Now we have a, a new Sabbath, a new beginning. And the new beginning is through faith in Christ. And that new beginning rolls away the stones from our lives so that we can be set free to live for the Lord. Now, let's move on. It says, as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man, this is the angel, dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. That word alarmed means they were like scared out of themselves. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. 
Look, there is the place they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. Then you will see him just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. And that's kind of the same root word. They were alarmed. They're in the spirit of being outside of themselves. What I want you to see from this is that faith is always bigger than your fear. Because they were scared. They were so scared out of themselves. But then this angel gives them this message of hope and this message of new life and this message that Jesus is living. And that message moved them forward that Jesus is alive. One of the greatest things you can tell yourself when you go through fear is that Jesus is alive. When you struggle with anxiety, when you have a panic attack, when you go through a time of terrible scare, Jesus is alive. There were a few, about a decade or so ago, I, I, it was like about, it was like in 2008, I went through a really dark time in my life and and to even looking back, I'm not sure exactly what happened, but I was, you know, full of anxiety. I was panic attacks were something I was starting to have. I never had them before in my life. I didn't understand it. Um, it didn't make sense. And if you've had a panic attack, you know what I'm talking about. They don't make sense. Um, you can be perfectly safe on your couch and have a panic attack, and it's and you feel like the world is caving in and everybody's trying to get you, and you just want to crawl in a hole and just cover yourself. And you're just afraid. And it makes no logical sense. It's just like this feeling that just comes upon you. And I remember sometimes when I had that, I would just remind myself, I would say, but Jesus is still alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And because I, I could just latch on to Jesus being alive, that gave me hope for that panic attack. Because I knew that if Jesus is alive and he was raised from the dead, then he can raise me out of this panic attack and he can get me through it. Jesus is alive. So they were scared out of themselves. They were totally consumed in fear and they were really frightened. But Jesus was alive. Jesus was alive. So I think sometimes we need to just relish that. Jesus is alive. And, and just say it out loud. Jesus is alive. Next time you're filled with fear or even have a panic attack, tell yourself, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Let's move on. Notice he, this angel says, go tell his disciples and Peter. I like how it says and Peter. Because remember, Peter had denied Jesus. Peter had um, pretended he wasn't a disciple. Peter had totally given up. And then he felt horrible about it. And this angel's message is, go tell the disciples and Peter. Faith doesn't give up on people. Faith keeps believing, even when those people don't believe in themselves anymore. And I like that because there's times in our lives where we want to believe in our better self to rise above and, and be different. And we fail ourselves. 
And sometimes we, we don't even want to believe in ourselves anymore that we can live differently. And this reminds us that Jesus still believes in you even when you don't. He does. Why? Because he's put his faith inside of you that will roll away the stone, that cannot stay contained, that truly rises from the dead and the ashes. And that's what he can do for you too. Okay? Then, it also says, go to Galilee. I love that. I think that is so cool. Because Galilee was not Jerusalem. I mean, it's kind of funny when you think about it. If you, again, if you were trying to invent a new religious movement back then that really got the hearts of the Jewish people to believe in Jesus as their Messiah, and the religious capital, and the religious, uh, the, the, the truth of any Jewishness was found in Jerusalem, that's exactly where you would go. You would say, hey, we're, we're going to Jerusalem with this faith. This faith belongs in Jerusalem. This faith is something that's meant to be in and out of Jerusalem. Because Jerusalem is where the Holy of Holy was, the very presence of God among his people. So you would be like, of course it's going to start in Jerusalem. But here it says, go to Galilee. Now, Galilee was the crossroads of the world. Galilee was where all the trade routes ran through. And so for Jesus, through this angel, to say, hey, go to Galilee... I'll be waiting for you guys there. He's basically saying, the faith that I'm giving you is meant for the real world. And it's meant to go places. It's meant for people everywhere of all cultures, of all backgrounds, of all ethnicities, of all financial strata. It doesn't matter who they are. They need this message. It's for everyone. And it's a faith that doesn't sit still in some holy of holies somewhere. It's a faith that's meant to go forth and to go places. I think that's pretty cool. So your faith is meant to go places and to take you places. It's a faith that doesn't sit still. And then I want you to notice something else. It says, look at how this ends. Look at verse 8. Verse 8 says, So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. Okay, so they're, they're just totally, like, I mean, trembling and, and totally filled with fear. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Fear was upon them. In other words, they were just wearing fear like a wet blanket all around them. <laughs> and they couldn't get it off. But yet, the story moves on. Now, if the Gospel of Mark ended there, we know that it didn't end there. We know that this message about Jesus meant it's meant to move forward. And guess what? It did. We know that they did go tell. We know that the disciples did come to believe. And they did spread this message. And they ended up taking it all over. And... And it cost them their lives. And their lives were gladly laid down because of it. And because it kept multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. 
we, you and I are here today as followers of Jesus because of this long chain of people that have brought you and I this message, that have even paid the price with their own lives for us to have this message. So this is a message that cannot be contained. And this is a faith that will move forward. And it doesn't, fear doesn't have the final say. It doesn't have the final say. I like it that like that. In fact, if you just look at verses 1 through 8 and you stop there, this teaches us a lot about faith. Remember, it teaches us that faith is bigger than any scandal of your past. It teaches us that faith does the heavy lifting. It moves the stones. It teaches us that we can be afraid and still Faith still wins. Because there's even a frame on this passage with the word fear. They went in, they were afraid, and then the angel gives the message that Jesus has risen, and then it ends with them being afraid. It's like a hamburger in the text. But we know that the message goes bigger. It keeps going. Fear cannot contain it. Fear cannot contain and stop this message. And the same goes for our lives as well. And then we see how Peter, go tell the disciples, even Peter, faith doesn't give up on people. And even when you struggle to believe in yourself, God believes in you. He believes that you can follow him. He believes that you're meant to follow him. And he believes that you will follow him. And then go to Galilee. Faith is meant for the real world. This isn't something that you just have when no one's home and you can sit quietly on the couch and not be disturbed. This is meant for when you're in the office or the classroom or the baby's crying and you're, you know, you've had a stressful day and no sleep. This is faith for the real world. Faith for here and now. That things can be different because Jesus is alive. And then when it says they fled in fear, faith. Faith always out, outruns fear. Somehow, they fled in fear, but somehow their faith caught up and ran and, and won that foot race and beat out fear. And they started running in faith and not fear. And when that happened, that's when they started telling others. And the same is true for you and I. We may run away in fear, but because our faith in Christ is real and it's, it's a gift to God from God the Father to us to believe in His Son, that faith that we have been given will grow and it will outrun fear and win the foot race. And then you'll start running in faith and not fear. I love this passage. I just think it's so beautiful when you look at it that way. And I hope it ministers to you guys. I hope it gives you strength. I hope it gives you peace. And I hope it gives you a new sense of confidence that yes, you can follow Christ and you can make a difference for him. So, the Vista Tower, I, I've seen it being built here in Chicago over the last couple of years, and I hope I get to see it in person. I, I, I look forward to uh, maybe going there and, and visiting it and, and seeing, maybe it does have an observatory, I'm not sure. But there's something, there's a final characteristic of the Vista Tower here in Chicago that I want to point out to you guys. One thing that you'll notice when you look at it is about two-thirds of the way up, or three quarters of the way up, there's like a gap. And then it goes, it keeps going after the gap. 
Now, that gap is on purpose. That's the 83rd floor. And it's basically an open air part of the building. Now, when they did designs on the building and tests and wind tunnels with models of it, they noticed that because of the height of this building and the way it's built, that the wind could really sway it. And it could even make people like dizzy inside. That's how much it could sway. So what they decided to do was they put this open air 83rd floor so that the wind could literally blow through. Because Chicago is, hey, it's a windy city. And because the wind can blow through the building, it won't sway as much and be as affected by the wind. And it'll stand strong and tall in the strongest of storms. And I love that because that's exactly the kind of faith that God has given us. We may have tough circumstances blow our way and even blow through us. And they may be frightening and howling like a terrible storm can. But we know that we're going to stand strong because we're rooted in a message that Jesus cannot be contained. And because he cannot be contained, the faith that he's given you and placed in your heart from him is the same faith that he lives by and cannot be contained and would not contain him in the grave. He had, you know, the grave could not contain him. That same power, that same faith has been given to you and I as part of our inheritance in Christ. And because of that, no matter how strong the winds, we can stand and we can be secure in him. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that our faith in you is not rooted in what we have or haven't done. It's completely, entirely rooted in who you are. And you cannot be contained by fear and death. And the grave, that the empty grave is proof. You rose from the grave. And you did it in a way that this, the way this whole story is written in Mark chapter 16, if, if the disciples were lying and trying to invent a story, this is so out of the box, it's unbelievable unless it's true. And Lord, I thank you that it is true. And countless lives have passed the baton of this to us as proof that it is. And I pray that we would live lives of faith in Jesus passing it on to others as continued proof that this story is more than a story, but it's truly who we are. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.